Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are studying the what we popularly call the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Lord Jesus, His teachings uh, concerning the Kingdom of God. Actually, the Sermon on the Mount is the best title that we come up with, but actually, it's more than just a sermon. It is the foundation of the doctrine of Christ and the teachings that Jesus uh, gives to us in the fifth, sixth, and seventh chapters of the Gospel of Matthew are the principles, the first principles, we'll say it that way, the first principles of how you and I are to act in this world, how we are to be. And of course, I know that the essence of Christianity is not in doing, it's in being, but that which we do has got to have its root and foundation in who we are, and we are in Christ. So everything flows out of uh, our relationship and our fellowship and our covenant that we have with him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, the Sermon on the Mount is not Jesus' suggestions on the Mount. It's the edicts of our King, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So if we want to have a strong, firm foundation in Christ, if we want to have a, a intimate and uh, wonderful, intimate relationship uh, with Him, and if we want uh, to get close enough to the Lord Jesus where He really begins to talk to us face to face as one would talk to his friend, then we're going to have to look into uh, this uh, edict in the fifth, sixth, and seventh chapter of Matthew. We got to find out uh, in what areas we're lacking and begin to develop in that area, begin to walk in obedience. Because if we're, uh, if we're not turning the other cheek, if we're judging others, uh, if we're setting ourselves up as uh, judge, jury, and executioner on behalf of others, then we're not walking in fellowship with Christ. We're, we're actually walking in rebellion against Him. So uh, it's very important for us, and that's the reason why I am taking a lot of time uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, because it is important for us to know these things. And if we find ourselves lacking in any of these areas, then uh, we need to make correction in our life. And I would much rather correct and be corrected in this life than to stand before the Lord Jesus on, on that day at the judgment seat of Christ and have him uh, correct and rebuke me. Amen. So it's better to get things settled down here and just begin to walk. See, I think that's truly what it means to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh and take uh, the doctrine of Christ, the things that Jesus taught us and immediately receive them by faith and begin to put them into practice. I think that's where the power in the first century church came from. It's just following Jesus as closely as they possible could, possibly could, and, and doing exactly what John wrote in Revelation chapter 12 and in verse 10. Uh, and they uh, were strong. Notice this, they were strong in the blood of Jesus, Amen. And they hung on to the word of their testimony and uh, they loved not their lives unto the death. And so uh, I think with that frame of mind that, uh, you know, which was the same frame of mind the Apostle Paul had and Peter had and the apostles had, uh, then, then we can live um, 
a life that is pleasing unto God and bearing fruit unto him. And so last session, we we were talking about the first six verses of Matthew chapter seven, and we were talking about how that uh, we are not to judge others. And uh, there's one particular verse that uh, we need to go back to for just a moment. Uh, but let, before we do that, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we bless you today. We thank you for your word. Now, enlighten us, Lord. Uh, instruct us. Correct us. Reprove us and prepare us, Father God, for us to be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. And we'll give you thanks for that in Jesus name. Amen. Now, Jesus said this, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. And so Jesus here is using dogs and swine as euphemisms. He's not calling people dogs and swine, but he's talking about the inward um, state of the heart of people who will not bend to truth, who will not acknowledge truth, uh, who will not humble themselves. And so when we take that which is holy of course, you know, we're speaking of the truth, uh, the, that which Christ has done in our life. Uh, you know, I mean, Paul said this, the truth is in Jesus. So if the truth is in Jesus and we're following Jesus, then the truth is in us. Taking that which God has done, his righteousness, his holiness, and attempting to minister to people that throw it right back into our face, that mock us, uh, that ridicule us, make fun of us. Uh, and Jesus is saying for those people that cannot, they're not in the state that they will receive anything from God. Uh, don't take the truth and uh, and cast it. In other words, cast it to them, because what are they going to do? Well, uh, well, let me go ahead and say it this way. That which is holy, uh, Jesus is speaking of that food that was offered uh, to God in sacrifice. As soon as that animal was laid upon that altar, uh, that that animal became holy unto God. That belonged to God. Now, God, uh, the only people that were allowed to eat of the sacrificial meat that was offered were the priests, and they were considered holy. They had to be holy, and the altar was holy, and the sacrifice was holy. So that which God has done for you, granted you, given you, that is holy. That belongs to God. And God has graced you and given it to you. Amen. Praise God for you uh, to give that as an offering. Well, we're not to take that and to give it to dogs, people that are going to mock Jesus, take his name in vain, ridicule him, uh, use his name in a profane manner and mock the son of God and mock uh, the things of God. Uh, those people, you, we're, we're not going to be able to minister to them. So the best thing for us to do is to pray for them. And perhaps God will grant them salvation. God will perhaps turn them uh, to the uh, place and the position to where they can be ministered to. And of course, uh, the same uh, euphemism, uh, neither cast you your pearls before swine. Pearls are very valuable. That which is valuable to you, your testimony, your witness, the things that God has done for you, the relationship you have with the Lord Jesus Christ, that is very valuable to you. But to some people, that means absolutely nothing. And you try to testify to them about the great things God has done for you. They'll throw that right back into your face. Uh, 
just like a, a if you step into a pig pen and uh, and you cast your pearls before a hog. Well, a hog doesn't consider pearls valuable. The only thing that the hog is after is something to eat. And of course, you know, you you provoke uh, a hog. And what is that hog going to do? That hog's going to charge you. He's going to trample those pearls underfoot and he's going to try to bite you. And uh, you, of course, you're going to have to get out of the way uh, unless you want to get bitten. So that's basically what Jesus is talking about. So that which is holy, that which is valuable is the truth that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And see, and it would be foolish for us to try to uh, minister to people that aren't in a position uh, to receive it. As a matter of fact, uh, they'll turn right around and they'll attack you for trying to help them. And of course, I remember on a a television show I was watching, it was a variety show. There was a man of God that was on. This was a purely um, secular, uh, anti-Christian variety show. And the only reason I was watching it was because of the minister that was on there. Well, the minister tried to minister to uh, the people about holiness and about sin. And I'm telling you, the the audience erupted. People were standing up, yelling, hollering at this uh, man of God. And and of course, here's the host. He's over there with just a smile on his face. He was enjoying the whole thing. And you see, it's best in an area like that to do just like Jesus did. Uh, he kept silent while Annas and Caiaphas, well, they were lying and, and, and using uh, their position uh, in a way to, to, uh, to condemn Jesus so that he would be crucified. Jesus kept his mouth shut. And so uh, we need to learn to do the same. And then, of course, uh, Jesus, then he talks about a prayer, asking and seeking and knocking. All of these are imperatives, things that we're to do. And of course, these types of situations should drive us to prayer and to petitions to pray for these people that God perhaps will uh, will so minister to them that they'll their eyes will be open. Um, you know, there's situations today about churches then the uh, congregation members, of the congregation are at each other's throats. They won't talk to one another. Uh, uh, they, they are in strife and division with one another. Well, people of God, we can't be involved in that kind of situation. We certainly can't be taking sides. You know, we have to be in a position to where we can pray for them that maybe God will uh, so minister to them that uh, that that their eyes will be open and they'll actually begin to act and walk like believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we have to understand that love works no ill towards its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And and that love is only if we're truly born again, the love of God is on the inside of us. And we better be looking inwardly to that love before we act outwardly out of out of the flesh or out of foolishness. And of course, verse 12, we said, therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. And that's we call that the golden rule. And that's truly uh, a rule that that we must live by. Jesus didn't suggest that. Uh, that is what we are to live by. Amen. We are to love others. And of course, now we're going we're coming to the second second section and we're going to be talking today about how to bear fruit unto God. 
And of course, Jesus begins in verse 13 and he says, enter ye in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life and few there be that find it. Now, Luke records this very saying of Jesus, but he he says it this way. Strive. Notice that strive to enter in at the straight gate. And of course, the word strive means to struggle. It means to enter into a contest. You know that we like Paul said, we through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Well, that is striving. That's struggling. Amen. And of course, the word uh, straight gate, straight gate is a narrow passageway, but it's also uh, the gate is a gate into a place. And of course, we know today that the gate, according to John 10, 9, the gate is uh, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Actually, in John 10, 9, the, the Greek word door is uh, thyra, and it primarily means a passage, but figurative, it also means a gate. And of course, Jesus said that I am the door and, you, and you've got to enter through me to get into uh, the sheepfold or into uh, pasture or into the kingdom of God is what Jesus was speaking of. So um, so we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. We must through much struggle. And of course, there's a lot of struggle when it comes to living by the inward man and that not just by the outward man. There's too many in the church world today that are living by the outward man. That's why they're always in strife and in arguments and indifference and walk in a, in a carnal way. God never intended us to stay carnal believers. We are when we're first saved, but he expects us to develop and to grow to spiritual adulthood. Amen. So the gate into the kingdom of God is a narrow gate. And of course, the gate is Christ himself. Amen. And he's the only gate. <clears throat> There's not any other gate. In John 10, uh, Jesus said, anybody that tries to get into the kingdom of God any other way is a thief and a robber. And so there's a lot of thieves and there's a lot of robbers in the world today. And then Jesus goes on and he says this. He says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Of course, false prophets, they're pseudo prophets. Amen. They're not called of God. They're called by their own intellect or by their own will. And they're false prophets because they seek uh, to divide uh, the sheep. They seek to divide the people of God and to, and to, uh, and to uh, create a following on their own. And we see that all the time in the world today, especially in, in this uh, nation. And of course, sheep's clothing is uh, a covering. It's, it's a really a reference to someone who appears to be cloaked as a sheep. But actually, what they are is they're wolves. Uh, they're robbers and extortioners. They're those men and women that are in churches today that they're greedy. They're greedy for gain and they're greedy for power. Well, you see that in the political world uh, today. And every in every department, in every area of our government, our government is filled uh, with uh, wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. It's full of corruption today because of uh, selfishness and because of pride. And then Jesus says this, uh, you shall know them by their fruits. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. 
for the rest of the session. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, and a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Now, Jesus reiterates this in the Olivet Discourse, in the Upper Room Discourse, in John chapter 15. And so it would be a good thing uh, to read John chapter 15, at least the uh, first half of that chapter, because this is exactly the same subject Jesus is talking about. Amen. He's talking about those that uh, are in the church. They don't bear fruit. They're going to be cut off. Of course, Jesus was speaking of that generation of Jews that had the opportunity to embrace their Messiah, but they rejected him. And so uh, once they're cut off, there's there's not much hope in that person ever, ever uh, getting back into uh, the uh, the fruitful harvest. So let's talk about let's talk about bearing fruit. Uh, how do we do that? How do we bear fruit unto God? Well, Jesus gave a parable, and we'll look at this parable as we go along. But uh, let's just go ahead and say this: that the born again believer. You have, as a born-again believer, let me put it this way, you have been born again, and you have been created in righteousness and true holiness. As a, very, as, a, as a matter of fact, the very moment you were born again in your heart, you'll never be more righteous before God than you are at that very moment. Righteousness is a gift. It's not a gift that grows. Holiness is a gift that grows. God expects you to grow. And of course, Paul was talking to the Hebrews. He said, follow peace with all men in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Well, you are going to see the Lord because you're created in righteousness and true holiness. God expects you that which is on the inside of you to begin to bear fruit on the outside of you. And of course, Jesus talks about the four different types of soil. And of course, he's talking about men's hearts. He talked about wayside soil, that uh, the gospel had no effect on them whatsoever. He talked about stony soil, that soil that received the word of God, but they didn't have any depth of birth. And so when persecution arose, immediately they go right back into sin. Uh, he talked about the thorny soil that allows the thorns to grow up and to choke the word that's been received. And so they don't bear, bear fruit unto eternal life. And then he talked about the fourth kind of soil, the good soil. The soil that springs up, that bears fruit, uh, uh, soil that receives uh, the word in an honest and a good heart and produces a rich harvest unto God. See, that's fruit bearing. Amen. Every born again believer that is striving for the mastery is that kind of soil. And that soil is going to produce a harvest. So when we talk about fruit bearing, we have to talk about, first of all, the fruit of the inward life that only a believer uh, can bear. And of course, you know, Paul mentions the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. He talks about love and joy and peace and talks about patience and kindness. He talks about goodness. He talks about faithfulness. He talks about gentleness. 
He talks about temperance or self-control. All of this fruit is from the Holy Spirit. And this fruit is in our inward life the moment that we're born again. The Holy Spirit comes. Actually, the entire Godhead, they come and they enthrone themselves in our heart. And then, only then, are we able to begin to bear fruit unto God. That's fruit that is acceptable unto God. Remember the offerings of Abel and Cain, how Cain's offering was rejected. Why? Because it didn't come from the fruit of his heart. It came from the fruit of his hands. God is not going to accept any man's work. There's a lot of very good organizations in this world, and they do many great things, but they're not Christian organizations. The head of that organization is not Jesus Christ. And so it's not going to be accepted by God. If it was accepted, then God would have to turn around and he would have to apologize to the Lord Jesus for sending him to the cross. There's only one person that is good in this world, and that's Jesus. And Jesus himself would not even accept when somebody called him good master. He said, why do you call me good? There's none good but one, and that is the Father. And so that's very important for us to understand that what makes us good is Jesus and is not ourselves. And so all the works that we do, they have to come. They have to stem from the inward work that the Holy Spirit has done through the fruit of the Spirit. And see, that's the fruit that's going to last. Amen. Now, Jesus said this in John 15, verses 4 and 5. Jesus said, no branch can bear fruit of itself. It must remain in me. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I think Jesus, this was a veiled reference to Judas. Because at the time Jesus had said this, Judas had already departed to go to Annas and Caiaphas to betray Jesus. And so that's very important for us to understand. If we're truly born again, then we're going to remain in him. And if we're going to remain in the Lord, then we're going to have to bear fruit. And I said, as I said before, I'll say again, and that fruit comes out of the inward life. Amen. Our fruit that we bear unto God comes out of love, it comes out of joy, peace, it comes out of patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, temperance, self-control. And most of this fruit that Paul described has to deal with our relationships with other human beings. And so it's very important for us, even when the things people say, the things people do infuriate us, it's very important for us to look to the inward man. Amen. To be guided by him. So now that's where fruit bearing comes from. So now what do we do and how do we do it in order to bear fruit unto God? Well, the first thing we have to do is to do what Jesus said, and that is we have to abide in the word. Once again, John fifteen seven. if you abide in me and my words abide in you, of course, that word abide speaks to us of a place where we dwell. 
If you abide in me, if you will abide in me. So that is where our home, that's where our spiritual home is. Our spiritual home is in Jesus. Amen. Now we have a physical house, but that's really not what we're talking about. We're talking about abiding in him. That's where our home is. And notice also there's another condition. Jesus said, and my words abide in you. Well, we could say this. Uh, the word that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 must abide in us. And that's probably the reason why so many of our prayers are not being answered. Because there's something that has interrupted that connection. There could be some areas of unforgiveness. There could be some areas of hatred. There could be some areas of strife that have disconnected us from that free flow, that ladder, Jacob's ladder, so to speak, of angels ascending and descending uh, upon this earth to bring to us the very things that we are praying for. Amen. And so what we're talking about here is we're talking about obedience. Notice this, if you will abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will. Notice that Christ entrusts our will to do what's right. But it's based upon us abiding in him and his words abiding in us. So if that's true in our case, then we're never going to ask anything that's not in the will of God. Amen. Ask what you will and it will be done for you. So giving attendance to the word of God, giving attendance to our our position in Christ Jesus. Amen. Walking in obedience to these things is what will cause the fruit to bear. And of course, there's another area, and that is abiding in the prayer life. And of course, Jesus said this in John 15, 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear fruit, much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So once again, we're talking about obedience, but also we're talking here about a relationship, building a relationship in the area of prayer, feasting on the presence of God, gaining and getting direction from him, spending time worshiping the Lord, spending time praying for other people. And as we pray, God will give us specific words or things to pray about. Amen. You know, there's a church fight going on that I'm aware of. And in the midst of me praying, the word arbiter comes up. And of course, what God wants us to wants me to pray for is that God would, uh, you know, pray for him to send an arbiter, an arbitration so that that church uh, can be healed and those people can be can actually be saved. And when I say the word saved, I'm talking about reconciled to uh, one another. So that's very important. So an effective, continual prayer life bears good fruit, bears fruit unto God. And of course, the third area First of all, abiding in the word. Secondly, abiding in the prayer life. Thirdly, abiding in Christ. Obedience. We're created in Christ Jesus under good works. We are his workmanship created under good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in him. So living our life in righteousness and holiness is abiding in Christ, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's what Paul said over Romans 12, 1 and 2. That is abiding in Christ. Amen. So our good works glorify God. 
Jesus said that back in Matthew chapter 5. Amen. Letting your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And in this way, we're walking worthy unto the Lord. So let's abide in the word. Let's abide in the prayer life and let's abide in Christ, being humble before him, being obedient before him and putting into practice the very things, amen, that he told us he wants us to do. Actually, what he commands us to do. Father, we bless you today. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercy, Lord. Now we take this word and we plant it in our heart with the expectation and the determination to act upon it immediately, put it to practice into our life. And we'll give you praise, honor, and glory for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.